Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the first Penn State Blitz podcast available on Penn Live. I'm Bob Flounders, joined as always by Greg Pickle. And we have a ton of Nittany Lions stuff to talk about. We're getting so close. But James Franklin has not named a quarterback yet. We'll discuss that. What's left to discuss on offense? Any position battles up for grabs on defense? Same story. A couple positions up for grabs. And finally, as always, it's going to be the Penn State mailbag. Okay, Greg. We were in for a little bit of a letdown recently when we went yes. to Penn State practice. I know I was let down. Felt like you were let down. Spent a good 180 miles in the car. Yep. We were just anxiously awaiting the news that we thought was coming about the quarterback, who it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And Audrey Snyder of The Athletic, we'll give her a little shout out. Asked for, do you have a quarterback update? One, one word answered, no. And then it was just dead silent. So it's still up in the air, apparently, according to James, who, who said he hasn't even thought about it yet. Right. Is it going to be Sean Clifford? Is it going to be Will Levis? What do you think is really going on inside of the mind of Penn State's football coach? Yeah, I mean, I think, Bob, at this point that they clearly um, aren't going to rush this decision. Even if they have made it, they're not going to rush to make it public. And, I mean, there's part of you that wonders if there's not a little forethought going into this after the way things went with Tommy Stevens, if maybe letting this play out as long as possible keeps both of those guys engaged. And, you know, maybe we're at a point where they just legitimately don't know and that one guy hasn't stepped forward to win the job that seems slightly hard to believe especially after james um did allow that sean's getting more reps in training camp than will levis is so i think obviously clifford's been a leader in the clubhouse since really the end of the citrus bowl and there's nothing that has you know caused me to change my mind and when tommy stevens left uh, you know that obviously you know uh, put things on a better track for clifford so They'll announce it either you know next week during the lead up to Idaho, or we'll find out when they put the starters on the uh, scoreboard at Beaver Stadium before kickoff. Either way, I don't think James Franklin not making an announcement changes you know the way this thing's going to play out. Yeah, I think you made a lot of great points. I think that one thing that James said that had me thinking overnight um, is he said that they're both young quarterbacks. They both don't have a lot of experience. And it's tough to play two quarterbacks when you don't have when they're when you're trying to get one experience and right. confidence. So I'm just wondering if James has. I think James has known all along who his quarterback's going to be. Mm-hmm. Now he may not have discussed it with the staff. He might not be lying about that. Right. But to me, I think it's pretty clear that it's Sean Clifford. He was the guy in spring. Um, every media opportunity we've had once a week, even though it hasn't been long, he's been working with the ones. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that looks that looked better. He looked better the last time we saw him. He threw a nice touchdown pass to KJ Hamler. Yep. I think Will Elvis is, is absolutely talented. A year behind Sean, you look at him. It just the body language doesn't look the same to me. I think he's got a little bit more developing to do. But I think James 
the method to the madness is James doesn't want to tell these guys who the quarterback is, even though he knows it. He wants to have them still compete, put them under a little bit more stressful conditions. Yep. It's, I think it'll, it'll sharpen them for the long run. And I think, Greg, it also helps that they're opening with Idaho and Buffalo the first two weeks. So mm-hmm. if he really wants to get them both experience, it's hard to believe, for me to believe, that the games will be close early in the third quarter. So he right. can do whatever he wants. I think ultimately it matters like who the quarterback is in week three against Pittsburgh. But for James made it sound like this is not nothing new, but clearly it, it is. He, he named Trace over Tommy yep. a little bit earlier, I mm-hmm. think. Um, this season starts uh, starts early. I, I just think it's going to be Sean's, Sean's job. I think he's earned it. Um, I'd be stunned if Will, if Will can get it. I don't know what it means moving forward after this year because I think that if Sean is the guy, he's going to be tough to displace. Um, he did talk about the, the, the number three quarterback battle. We'll see about that. But I think that James does have a couple ulterior motives in, in, in hesitating to mm-hmm. name the quarterback. And I wouldn't even be surprised if he's not ready to divulge it on Tuesday. Yeah, I won't either. Just to seize on one point you made, Will Levis does look like he's a year behind. And we're only seeing 10 to 15 minute yeah. shots of practice. So you can only you know, take that with such a grain of salt. But there's just times when Clifford looks to be a little bit more in control of things. And really that was the same, even at lift for life back in earlier this summer when Clifford was sort of the leader of of things. He led that effort uh, with the team and some of the other leadership, uh, you know, players. And he was very good talking to reporters about everything. And you can just tell he has a little bit more experience. He's a little bit more seasoned. And that's why he's been seen as a front runner for so long. They're both extremely talented guys. And then we talk about that third strength uh, back. Yeah, they're going to try and redshirt Taquan Roberson and Michael Johnson Jr. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest, if it gets down to one of those guys, (laughs) things have gone horribly awry anyway. You know, would it appear that Roberson might be a little bit ahead of Johnson Jr. at this point? I think that's fair to say. But I could very easily see them making that spot on the depth chart an or Mm -hmm. and letting, you know, things play out however they play out during the course of the season. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that they're in a rush to name the number three QB. They They could wait a month. Um, I think that the skill set of Michael Johnson might eventually catch up to, to Roberson, mm-hmm. but it does it does look like there's a pecking order in practice, and Roberson's been kind of the three guy, and Johnson's been the four guy. But um, yeah, so the first news conference, the official news conference, will be next Tuesday. Yep. And the first question he's going to be asked is about the quarterbacks. But if you in, if you say that you haven't even thought about it, if you say you haven't even met with your staff about it. Like what's really going to change in a week? Right. Like, are, are you, is it is it really? I think it's. I think that he's known all along. I don't feel like he's he's felt a need, Ricky, to, to kind of discuss it. Right. I think he knows that he, he's got his guy, and he's going to let them compete a little bit longer, see what happens. But uh, this is definitely a little bit different, especially since we were riding up to practice and there were about nineteen starting quarterbacks <laughs> yeah. named. Mm-hmm. I think the, the Mississippi State quarterback job might get decided before the Penn State job. Right. And it could even be our old friend Tommy Stevens. You never know. We'll find out soon enough. Okay, so let's go to the rest of the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, we haven't seen a lot of, of practice. We usually get about ten to twelve minutes once a week. Mm-hmm. It's not a great window. Um, sometimes they work on special teams. But uh, as you look at, at how the first and second teams are kind of laid out. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the start of camp, we thought it, was be a, it would be a pretty big battle between Miranda, Mike Miranda, yep. uh, and C.J. Thorpe for right guard. I don't know that it's necessarily important to them. Mm-hmm. I think that they think that they got three guards who can play. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get Miranda to, to get ready at center in case something happens to Michael Mennett. Mm-hmm. So is it really a battle at this point, or does it even matter who the starter is? I don't think it matters. I think it'll end up being Thorpe. And the 
base I'm basing that off the fact that they've had to take guard reps away from Mike Miranda to get him yeah. center reps, and that should by default allow Thorpe to take a small step ahead. Even you know, you put the talent aside, you put everything else aside. He's had more reps at the guard spot this camp year. And because of that, I would assume he's gonna be the starter. But you know, they've been clear since really back to April in the blue white game, that they intend to play all three of these guys. And obviously the rotation will be more Thorpe and Miranda than anybody subbing in for Gonzalez, but they seem to like them all. And, you know, Thorpe has a a clearly maybe the most aggressive streak of anybody on the offense. I think that's a a, or offensive line. rather. I think that's a huge plus for him. Um, And the fact that Miranda can play multiple positions means you're going to see him on the field plenty, I think this fall. So I, I don't really envision it mattering a whole lot in terms of who's that starter. Uh, on that starting line come August 31st in the opener because mm-hmm. you're going to see plenty of those two guys in the three as a whole. Okay, let's touch on two more points about the offense. The wideout group, I think we know who two of the starters are. We know who the star is. It's K.J. Hamler yep. in the slot. Had a nice touchdown catch. We saw him you know, yesterday. On That would have been on uh, Tuesday right. as we take this. Uh, Jahan Dotson is clearly they made him available to the media. He's another starter. But I still don't have a, a really good grasp on who is going to be the third starter. I think he's going to be a bigger receiver. Mm -hmm. But Penn State has more options than Justin Shorter. Right. I mean, the one thing that jumps out to me is Jarrett Parker seems pretty happy with rotating a bunch of guys in and out. And I don't know if they'll change the way they rotate guys in terms of when someone goes deep, they tend to bring them off the field and somebody in, sub somebody in. I don't know if that'll change this year, but it could be Daniel George. It could be Weston Carr. We saw Dan Chesena getting some first-team work. I mean, I don't know. Much like the guard battle, I don't know if it truly is a huge difference maker who gets the starting job because I think you're going to see seven, eight wide receivers a game. Uh, Camler and Dawson will get the most work, but all those other guys will filter in. You know, Justin Shorter, we've seen him do some in camp this year, maybe not as much as expected. What does that mean? Where is he at at this point? Is he ready to take the next step? So will he be the starter week one? I think if you would have asked that August 1st when we got back from Big Ten media days, I probably would have said yes. I'm not sure right now. Yeah, and I, I do think it's it's strange. I haven't. I think the the last two or three availabilities when we've seen the offense out on the field against the ones and the twos done defense, you just haven't seen Justin. Now he could be he they could, they could be just holding him out of that period. There could he could be dealing. It doesn't look like he's hurt. He could be dealing with maybe a minor issue. But he's a young receiver. He needs reps. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this. I think that Dan Chisena is a guy that. You know, usually when you talk about blue-white stars, that you, you, you never kind of really see much from them ever right. again. There's a history of that at Penn State. I don't know that that may be the case with Dan. I think that they do really like him. I think they definitely like Daniel, Daniel George. I just think that it, it's important that they spread the field so there's always going to be a third receiver on the field, Greg. Right. But at some point, whoever that third receiver is, they got to be able to use him. Our defenses are going to still kind of they're going to constrict on KJ and they're going to constrict on Fryermuth. Right, and the, the fact of the matter is, again, no matter whether Matt Kippenhammer, Daniel George, Justin Shorter, Weston Carr, Dan Chisena, whoever starts at that third wide receiver yeah. spot, I don't think it matters. And even beyond that, you now have Nick Bowers, who you can take a receiver off the field and get him onto the field. So. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see more rotation than anything else. Could it be a detriment to these guys' stats? Yeah, of course. But will it make this offense better as a whole to have that many options? I don't think there's any question about that. Okay, it's time to talk defense. This is, I think, going to be the strength of the team without question, or definitely early in the season, while the new quarterback and some of the new skilled players kind of get a little bit more experience. Um, This looks like it's going to be a really good defense. It should be a really good defense. Etor Gross Matos. 
the all Big Ten end is back, but they got a lot of other ends they really like. But they're going to need some uh, improved play from the defensive tackle position, not so mm-hmm. much on the nose where Robert Windsor is, but they're going to need a little bit more push, a little bit more disruption from the three-technique spot than mm-hmm. the, the tackle You know, that kind of is, is next to Windsor. Mm-hmm. I think they like a couple of players. Yeah, Obviously, Shelton, I think P.J. Mustafer mm-hmm. can fit in there. Um, you hear some uh, buzz about some other players. But how do you look at this defensive tackle group less than two weeks out from the season opener? I think the word is uncertainty. I mean, you've seen Shelton do some nice things. He's going to be the starter. You know what he can do. You assume just looking at P.J. Mustafer, he's a mountain of a man. It seems yeah. like he will fit in just fine to that rotation. But then what? You have Fred Hansard. You have Damian Barber. You have some other guys that will factor in there. But are they ready for prime time? Or will this rotation right. be primarily Windsor and Shelton with a healthy dose of Mustafer? And then some other guys filter in kind of at the you know, 5, 10, 15 percent of the snaps at most. I think they go into the season that way and see how things shake out. But it's not as clear cut there. To me, anyway, it's not as clear cut as they probably would like it to be at this point in camp. Yeah, and you wonder if, if the line, the young linebackers were a little bit further along. I'm talking yeah. about Brandon Smith especially. Um, when you have Micah and you have Jan Johnson and you have Cam Brown, mm-hmm. ideally you could make a strong case that almost a modified 3-4 where you get Brandon Smith on the field at inside linebacker mm-hmm. with Jan Johnson – and Cam Brown and Mike outside. Yep, that might be their best front seven, mm-hmm. especially if they're they're kind of still looking for pieces at the defensive three technique spot. I don't know if that, that they're really there yet, but you just wander down the road if a kid like Brandon Smith would continue to develop. If you could almost see a package like that, Mike has been hinting at some stuff they're going to do this year. I just don't know if, if the goal is to get your best eleven defenders on the field, right? And and they're struggling a little bit at defensive tackle. Like, how, how do you kind of manage that? Yeah, I mean, we saw last year at times they would go to that interesting sub package where yeah. sometimes Ryan Buckholz would kick inside, sometimes another defensive end would yeah. kick inside, and it would give them a different look kind of what you're talking about with getting – I think they usually brought another corner onto the field in that package, but a linebacker would make plenty of sense as well. I think the one thing we know about Brent Pry is he's not afraid to try new things, and one way to maybe mitigate that if they feel the need to would be to try something like that. I think with his defense being, you know, what is James Franklin calling it? Long, fast, uh, aggressive, athletic, lean. I mean, the only thing they're lean on is maybe a a deeper defensive tackle rotation. So what's one way around that? It's what you mentioned. I mean, they have any number of options. So if I think they'll try some things in a non-conference like they're not going to show future opponents everything they're going to do. But you're right. This is not an Appalachian State opener where either of the first two teams are threats to beat you. At least they shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. Um, So... The more time to experience some things, I think, the better. And for a group that's breaking in some new faces, they probably couldn't ask for a better slate to start with. In his six years at Penn State, can you ever remember James talking about a defense the way he's talked about this no. defense in the preseason? He, I mean, he usually can't contain himself when he likes a breakout player. Right. It's pretty clear to me that he feels not good. He feels great yeah. about this defense. And As I he think, should. And I think that... The final piece of the puzzle might be that he feels good about his safety group. Yeah, uh, they they got to replace Nick Scott, mm-hmm. um, and they do have uh, do have Garrett Taylor back, and he, he he thinks that he's taken the next step as well. But I think the more important thing is he feels like they still have after Garrett Taylor another three safeties who could play. The one thing I found most interesting from talking to Tim Banks, a safeties coach, co-defensive coordinator during Tuesday's practice was that he feels like he can flip these guys around back there between field and boundary, boundary and field and have no real 
drop off. You know, he mentioned at one point you could see uh, Sutherland and Brisker on the field together. You could see Taylor and Brisker on the field together, Taylor and Sutherland on the field together. Obviously, Lamont Wade with any of those three guys on the field at the same time. So especially early on, I again, when you talk about trying some things up front, they can try some things in the back, too, yeah. and really settle on a guy, I think, that will be their primetime player by the end of the non-conference slate. And with the ability to do that, they should try. I mean, I think they'll try a number of things yeah. in live game conditions to see what fits best, but they have to feel great about Garrett Taylor. He looks good. Yeah. I think he took a nice step in the offseason, and I don't think they should feel concerned about which one of those three guys steps up to be the starter and sort of the guy back there uh, early on. Yeah, Greg, I think the moral of the, this preseason story has been uh, James and his staff have gotten to the point with their recruiting that their depth is such that Unless we're talking about an all Big Ten player like mm-hmm. Etor or a game changer like KJ or uh, just just a, a young superstar like Michael Parsons at linebacker, mm-hmm. it almost doesn't matter who starts right. because they're going to play them all and they're going to play their best players in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. They're going to ride the hot hand, whether it's at running back, whether it's at receiver, right. whether it's at corner, whether it's, it's a matchup problem. I just think that's going to be the way that Penn State football progresses i think we probably shouldn't focus as much on projected starters but maybe who are the extra guys that are going to play and it looks like this team will be his his most deepest team and this really does bode well for them because they play some tough games late yeah no doubt one news note john patrician speaking of safeties yeah transfers to pitt grad transfer Trader. Eligible for the last two seasons there. Unbelievable. He just got on the field on Wednesday, so Pat Narduzzi doesn't seem to be too sure what his role would be, but he is obviously no longer with Penn State football program. Transfer portal strikes again. Indeed. Just when you think it's over. It never it's ends, never Bob. Over. But okay, we're portal's gonna, always open. We're going to wrap it up here with the Penn State mailbag. I hope you got some good stuff because I might have been a little lax in my preparation this morning as far as trying to puzzle you with weird questions. I like it. All right, let's start with this. So the season pretty much unofficially kicked off at Big Ten Media Days in July. We've heard James Franklin talk in Chicago at the team's media day mm-hmm. and now following three practices, I believe. Let's go with three. Let's sure. go with three. Sure. So moral of the story is we've seen some camp action. We've heard from Franklin a lot, some other coaches, mm-hmm. some players. The one thing that jumps out to you that you didn't know when we were in Chicago touring around uh, the city and that you know now about this team that sort of jumps out to you as a, a key or important yeah. going into the Idaho game. Two things. One's big. One, I think, is small now, but it'll be bigger maybe later this year mm-hmm. or beyond. They I, I just think that I, I was of the opinion, you know, going into maybe the Chicago trip that Devin Ford was going to be a factor this year, and he, and he might still be. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I remember what James said about uh, Journey Brown and Ricky Slates uh, separating themselves in spring. Right. So I think they really like those guys, and I think that because of what Noah Kane can do mm-hmm. in short yardage and in goal lines, I think that's the three. I don't yeah. think that there's going to be any depth chart shakeup. Uh, those guys look like they're ready to play, mm-hmm. and they're going to play all of them. James hinted at maybe holding some guys, maybe not playing them early in early in the season. To and this save, would be freshmen that would might freshmen right. to save their red shirt. To, not playing them early to burn red, possible red shirt mm-hmm. games in case there's injuries down the line. I'm wondering if Devin Ford is a guy that maybe um, is going to be one of those guys. But even though he's super talented, he might just not be ready to crack the three ahead of him. Right. And I don't know that they're going to they're going to try and play him a couple of games because he means a lot to the future. The other thing is, 
I was always of the opinion that Caden Wallace, the uh, the offensive lineman that that's maybe one of the, the best offensive linemen in the class, who's probably going to be a guard. Mm-hmm. He's like six five, three thirty. He's a tackle. Right. Um, they're looking at him as as a tackle. Uh, PJ Mustaford talk, talked about him as a tackle. James kind of referred to him as a tackle, and a, a talent like that, you know, who's you know, th- I would say after Will Fries uh, and Rashid uh, Rashid Walker, I don't know that they really had a third or fourth tackle they felt great about. Right. I think that Caden Wallace is a guy that now uh, now and in the future is going to give that tackle room another, a shot of juice. Yeah. And I think that's going to be one of those things that might be a team strength. Um, if not this year, next year. The one thing that jumps out to me is that Penn State should not have to worry about being beat by kick returns at all this yeah, year. Right. Because the, if we yeah. – so practice is that's short. A good, that's a good pull by You him. don't see a lot. But, man, when Jordan Stout, the Virginia Tech transfer kickoff yeah. specialist, hits, he hits it differently than anybody else they have sounds different on that sure. roster. It sounds different. It looks different. We've seen Jake Pinniger doing most of the field goal work. It seems like that's still his job, yeah. at least for the time being. But – I don't think we've seen one kickoff from Stout during practice. Of course, he'll change during game conditions, but I don't think we've seen one that hasn't been five yards at least deep in the end zone, if not out of the end zone. So if you're worried about them getting beat on kickoffs like they did a year ago, I I don't see that being an issue this year unless he totally falters under game pressure, which he was very good for Virginia Tech last year, one of the best kickoff guys in the country. So however Joe Lorig and James Franklin pulled off that transfer, um, may be the story of the offseason. All right. That's one question down. I hope you have another one. For I me. do. We got one more and then we got to get to something else. But yeah, a little surprise. You said you didn't prep to surprise me. So I prepped to surprise you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. So excited. I could only hardly choke on my words. Um, Bob, the receiver and the safety spots. We talked about it may not matter who starts at those right. jobs. Who's your day one number three receiver? Who's your day one other starting safety beside Garrett Taylor? I think it's going to be Luant Wade to start the year. I thought mm-hmm. it would be Sutherland. I think it's going to be Wade. <clears throat> uh, based on if I just go by what I've seen on the practice mm-hmm. field, and I, we haven't seen a lot, I can't. I can't in all good conscience say it's going to be Justin Shorter. Right. I think he's the most talented receiver, but. Uh, I, I'm going to say Daniel George, mm-hmm. and I do think that that Dan Chisena, the kid that caught the long touchdown pass. From uh, Will Levis, excuse me, in, in the blue white game, uh-huh. uh, they put him on scholarship right after that. He's he's a burner. I think he can help them on special teams. I think they really like him. He can stretch the field. I think that's important. So I would probably go George one, Chisana two, and yep. maybe maybe shorter three. I don't think that that could maybe it won't end up that way, but that's right. the way it looks right now to me. Yeah, I, I can't agree with you. Disagree with you at all. I think Lamont Wade's the clear starter back there for the time being. And then, yeah, it, it seems obvious that it won't be shorter start, unless something changes or they're, they're showing us things in practice yeah. for the 15 minutes that they do differently right. for the first hour and 45 minutes of practice. So George is as good a pick as any. George Chisena, I, I could see either one of those guys. All right, well, that's it for the questions. Now I'm a little really scared about well we got these fancy new microphones yes we should have probably talked about it earlier but if you're watching this the penn state blitz it's also now in podcast form and so you can find it anywhere you get your favorite podcast we'll be uh continuing on to season predictions Mm -hmm. if you're listening in the podcast if not you'll have to look for that video on penn live and do you remember that's your final mailbag question the youtube url to find our videos I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to you on this. Believe. YouTube.com slash all Penn State. There you go. So keep listening if you're on the podcast as Bob and I uh, get ready to make some picks.
Welcome back from the break here on the Penn State Blitz podcast. And now we're going to dive into some season predictions. Gregory. Bob. It's late August. Mm -hmm. The season is almost here. And it's time to make some picks about the season. Maybe we'll make a bold prediction too. I think the fans would like that. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about Penn State season. You can go first. 12 games. I think it's sneaky tough. Uh, where did you land on the Lions for 2019? I was nine and three, so that'd be over the win total of eight and a half, but not ten wins, obviously, and then getting them into double digits, which a lot of people around the country, especially some national folks, uh, have seemed to think that they are, you know, ten bound for ten wins, if not more. Right. If a couple things fall their way, and if they can overcome some things that they have not been able to in the past, it's certainly possible. I wouldn't rule it out, but you mentioned the tricky schedule. They have to go to Iowa where they needed a last second drive and a touchdown at the buzzer to win the last time they were out mm-hmm, there. And mm-hmm. it's always a tough place to play. Correct. They have to go to Michigan State. They have not been great against some of the top Big Ten teams on the road. Uh, and they have to go to Ohio State. So, you know, you, that, that's before you even get to a home date with Michigan, which obviously will yeah. be Josh Gaddis's homecoming and the new look uh, Michigan offense, whatever that ends up being by the time that contest rolls around in October. So I was 9-3. and three. I think that you know, out of the gate, they probably couldn't ask for a better opportunity to get a lot of young players, especially on offense, some good experience and some confidence um, on the Beaver Stadium turf. You look at Idaho, they're just not very good. I don't know what else to say. Their leading tackler yeah. suspended for the game that they don't have a lot to write home about. That should be a walkover. The Buffalo game, night game. I think it's another good experience. Again, a little bit of a different environment, a little bit better opponent, but they're not Appalachian State. They're not going to come out and and really scare you. Or <clears throat> if they do, then you know there's a problem. We might have to edit this video and talk about eight and four or something like that. But you know, once you get into uh, Pittsburgh, little again, a little bit tougher an opponent. Nationally televised game, noon start, still should be fourteen point favorites. So you know, you get into that Maryland game. Yeah, it's a different environment. It'll be Maryland Super Bowl. It's on a Friday night. Should mm-hmm. be sold out. Most of those will be Penn State fans. Just starting with the month of September, 4-0 and seems like as close to a lock as you can get. Well, I also have them 9-3, and so you're a copycat, mm-hmm. and I don't like you anymore. Right. But I think we may differ. Where we may differ might be on the games that uh, they may lose. I think we probably both agree it's tough to pick them to beat Ohio State. I don't see it. I, mm-hmm. think, I think they can hang with them, but it's, that's a tough place to play. Uh, they had a pretty good team in 2017 that, that faded late. So I have them losing that game, which is also, by the way, very late in the season. I think it's yeah. the second to last game. Correct. And then they come back to the Rutgers. So you have them yep. losing to Ohio State as well? Correct. Who yep. are your other two losses? Uh, well, so I think you to get the three losses, you had to go one of two ways. Uh, I guess you could go one of three ways, but I am losing at Michigan State. I have them beating Iowa at Iowa, and I have them losing to Michigan at home. So that's a little bit of a diversion, I think, from most nine and three picks because I yeah. think you'll find Iowa as a loss and Michigan State as a loss, and it makes it's totally fair. I mean, when you consider that the road history in the James Franklin era against top teams is fairly putrid. Uh, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, you know, what, what there's not don't like sugarcut. A, don't there's sugarcut not a whole it. lot just, of good just, yeah. good road victories to hang your hat on. But I think they can go beat Iowa out there. I, yep. I think that the Iowa team, they they're, the consensus on them is out, sort of. I think there's some people who think this will be a good Iowa team. I think there's some that think it's mediocre. I'm in that camp. So I think they can win out there. I, I think Michigan is, you know, one of the division favors for a reason. I think Jim Harbaugh knows that, 
he's going to, you know, if he's going to win the Big Ten, I think he knows it's this year. I think Josh Gaddis can revolutionize that offense a little bit. Now, if Harbaugh decides to stick his finger in the mud and go back to, you know, wing T or whatever, the eye form and all that crap, then, yeah, uh, can we say that? I guess we can. Maybe we'll edit it out later. But if they go that way by October, yeah. then it, I'll certainly feel a different way come game week. But I think going into the season, I like what they have a little bit more. And I see, I think I know a little bit more about what they have compared to what Penn State has. All right, so if the schedule plays out the way you see it, that means that after year six, mm-hmm. James Franklin will be a combined 4-14 four and 14 against Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. I'm not sure that'll sit too well with the fan base, young team, old team, no matter what. 3-15. Uh, and 15. Lose to Ohio State, lose to Michigan, lose to Michigan oh, State. Yeah. Oh, that's actually worse. Right. I, I got to go back to school for math. I thought you, So you have them losing all three games. Correct, and beating Iowa on the road. Oh, Greg, that would be – that's bad news. Yeah. Um, I, I'm awaiting the anger emails. So I, send them, I don't send them see fast. it that way. I said more than a month ago that the Big Ten West has about caught the Big Ten East, and you kind of laughed at me. You did. Still am. You did laugh at me, even though Disagree. everyone else is starting to realize that as well. I think it's true. I think there are six teams in the Big Ten West that could win and go to the Big Ten title. I think that's how balanced it is, except for Illinois. Now, they are putrid. That, <laughs> that is an acceptable use of the word putrid when you talk about Illinois. Mm-hmm. That's putrid. The other six teams are all dangerous. And with that in mind, I say Penn State loses at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. They beat Michigan. They, they win at Michigan State. I just am not buying that offense. They're going to lose at Iowa because I do think Iowa's due. They should have won the last two years. Credit to Penn State for finding ways to win those games on yep. the last play. And that quarterback's interception is inexcusable. I think they're going to get him this year. Nate Stanley. Yeah. Yes. But I think they're going to lose another good Another good way to use the word putrid. I think they're going to lose at Minnesota. I think okay. Minnesota is a sleeper in the Big Ten West. I think that that team was pretty good at the, at the close of last year. I think they play them at a tough time uh, in the schedule. There's a stretch where they play four or five games mm-hmm. that are going to be challenging. They could overlook them a little bit. I think Minnesota's pretty good. I think the Big Ten West is going to be what kind of gets Penn State a little bit this mm-hmm. year. I think it's a strong uh, strong division. I would say top to bottom, it's stronger than the Big Ten East. I think 9-3 and three is about right. I think they're going to have a signature win against Michigan. Uh, I think they're going to get Michigan State, too. They're due to beat uh, Michigan State. So that, let me see if I can do the math now. That would make them 5-13. and 13. That's right. 5-13 and 13 yep. against, uh, against the uh, against the. The powers in the Big Ten East, and I think that would represent some progress. They better win at least one of those three games. Yeah. Or I think I think the what is it? The Wolves are going to be banging at the door. Is that the is that the thing? I just um, never heard that. I just messed up. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be people upset if right. they lose all three of those games. I don't think they will. I think they're too talented. So we both see nine and three, mm-hmm. but we both see a very different way that nine and three is going to play out. If Minnesota, we'll have to figure out a friendly bet for that Minnesota game. I see no chance at the goal. No the chance. Go, no chance to go for oh. beat the Lions in November. Um, I don't even know if I want any points from you. I'm going to I take the points. points. Yeah. I, you what do you mean you don't want points? I don't. I'm, I, I said, you know, if you don't want points, that's fine. But I'll just take. I'll just take bigger odds. Any yeah. bold? We want to get to one bold, bold prediction for the fans. Yeah, I, I think. That they should be undefeated. This isn't a bold prediction, but you know, before I get to that, they should be undefeated. Really, going into that Michigan game, and uh, that's not a bold prediction. It's not. But I was just going to say real quick that I, I, I think a bold prediction. Well, I said I was going to get to that, but Purdue. Um, I think you'll find that that's talked about as a trap game as it gets closer. I just I'm not buying that. 
Uh, Rondell Moore is extremely impressive, the receiver out there, but there's yeah. not much else that impresses me about that team. I mean, bold prediction in terms of the 2019 season. We talked about one last yeah. week. I think Daniel, I like that. That was I think a good one. Daniel George will have more catches than Justin Shorter, just based off what we've seen so far. I could very well be wrong, but I think George might be a little bit ahead, even though they're both extremely talented. Um, I think he's a guy that will – uh, really take a nice step forward this year in the production department. And then on defense, you know, will Micah Parsons lead Penn State in tackles again? Yeah, I think he probably will. Um, I think Jan Johnson hits the top five in the tackle category, though. I think he's a guy that a lot of people want to run off the field and find somebody else to, to get play mm-hmm. in that spot. But I, I just think that you can't overlook his experience. And, you know, James Franklin said on Tuesday when talking about P.J. Mustaford that he loves wrestlers, well – Jan Johnson's a national champion wrestler with as a part of that team that that Penn State wrestling team mm-hmm. that won a few years ago that he was a part of even though he didn't win a national title individually obviously but didn't really come that close no <laughs> no but, but he I, was a PA uh, state champion right. in high school twice I, I just think he's being maybe overlooked a bit as a guy that sure. would be more of a contributor to this team than he's giving being given credit for. I still don't know if they were really that bold predictions. Here's my bold prediction. Okay, for the second year in a row. Penn State will hold Pittsburgh without a touchdown, Ooh. and they may shut them out. Okay. How's that for bold? I'll give you a bold prediction. Penn State beats Rutgers by 52 at, uh, at Beaver Stadium. He's not getting the concept of bold <laughs> predictions. When we, the next time we, we reconvene, we're going to have a little chit-chat about bold predictions, and you're going to come out firing. Okay. All right, that's a wrap on the first. It's not first ever. You never say first ever. For the first, Penn State... Blitz podcast on Penn Live. There's a lot of P's. I get confused sometimes. I'm going to get better at that. We got a lot to talk about this year. This that's it for our season preview, if you will. Um, I'm excited about the season. I'm excited to see how much money you're going to owe me uh, after Minnesota beats Penn State. I'm excited about a lot of it, but we'll get to that down the line. That's it for the first Penn State Blitz podcast. We'll be back next Thursday.